Hey, what's going on, everybody? Uh, like always, let's start with uh, social media stuff. You could go ahead and uh, follow, review, like, share the Facebook page, all that good stuff. Uh, same with the episodes when they come out. If you're listening and you like it, please uh, don't be afraid to share it. Hit those little share buttons on any platform. Go to iTunes and leave us a review. That'd be awesome. Average Joe's Above Average Beer Podcast on iTunes or on the podcast app. If you could leave us uh, some stars, it's always good to have those reviews. And then on Twitter and uh, Untapped, you can find me at Joe. Bob four one J O E B O B four one, and then uh, you can also follow me uh, at uh, Average Joe's Beer Podcast on Instagram. I do a lot of posting on there. Uh, so that's it for social media stuff. Some cool stuff coming up. Uh, I know GABF is kicking off uh, tomorrow, is when I'm recording this. I believe it starts on Thursday. So I know all the brewers are heading out that way. Um, GABF, big one. And then uh, next big thing's coming up. We've got, uh, let's see, October 13th, we're going to have the uh, Bolingbrook Brew Fest at McHugh's Barbecue. It's be like 20 breweries there. A lot of cool stuff going on. I believe that's like noon to four that day, October 13th. Another cool one I just got word of is September 29th in Geneva at Penrose, which Penrose was episode five of this podcast. Tom Corder, uh, Jake Brady, those dudes are awesome. And you know they have a passion for sours and funk and all that. So the, I believe this is a like a funk festival. So it's going to be wilds and sours and spontaneously fermented things. Uh, we got uh, sp- spontaneously fermented. I guess uh, fermented would probably be a better way to look at that. Uh, that all the proceeds i think go to the llk foundation there's over 30 breweries coming so a lot of sours and breaths and extended mixed cultures all kinds of good stuff so be on the lookout for that uh that's going to be a cool ass event and then of course fobab tickets went on sale last week so fobab will be in november i'll be there from the 12 to 5 session on saturday so anybody who's out there hopefully come say hi say what's up but today's, uh, this episode, the new episode here is with Buckle Down Brewing. I got to hang out with Ike and Sean over at Buckle Down. These dudes have been doing it for a long time. The el- they're some of the elder statesmen in the Chicago brewing world. Um, dudes are just freaking cool. They're killing it. You got to try that Mexican lager they got out right now. Uh, they Obviously, they got classics like belts and suspenders and clincher and all that. But I think you're going to love these guys' stories. They're just workman-type dudes, just salt-of-the-earth good people. So here's Buckle Down Brewing. All right, and now we're actually rolling. We're, we are recording. Uh, what is it, Monday? It's Monday. This is like traditionally a non, non-brewery non type day, right? Are you guys open today? Yep. Oh, you guys yeah. are open today. You yeah. didn't used to be open on Mondays, right? Back in the... No, it's just Wednesday through yeah. Sunday. You guys but, uh, came up. Yeah. Um, you introduce yourselves. Tell, I guess you guys can tell them where we're at. Yeah, I'm Ike Orcutt. I'm the head brewer here at Buckle. I'm one of the founders along with Sean. And I'm Sean Mahoney, uh, as Ike said, one of the co-founders. Sean, you got like a Scott Van Pelt thing going on. Ever, <laughs> ever anyone ever told you that? Especially yes. when you have the headphones yeah. on, because I think that's his logo. Uh, yeah. Tall, tall guy, yeah. bald guy. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to be here. I'm th- I thank you guys first of all for taking time to do this. It's uh, I, I, I'm so shocked that you're open on Mondays. I feel like so <laughs> few people are open on Mondays unless they serve food. You know. We got some time. Not till that's four. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'll be out of here. What is it? 10 a.m. right now. Yeah. That's right. That's why we're drinking water. Uh, you guys are coming off of a fest, right? You guys had, a, like, this is your big one for, like, the whole year. is like, the biggest thing you yeah. guys do. Tell, tell people a little bit about that. They might not know about Buckle Down. Sure. We do a, um, an Oktoberfest. Um, I think maybe the, the second year we were open um, was the first year. 
uh, for the Oktoberfest. We we do a couple other summer parties out in our lot. We tent the lot and have live music and um, just a lot of beer. Um, and certainly the Oktoberfest has a lot of beer. It's flowing. And uh, is the same. And it's great. We just, uh, the tap room's open and the parking lot's full of people and music and beer. It gets so. silly, right? There's some people dressed up, right? Yeah. You got some people yeah. coming in the, in the traditional garb. Yeah, we um, do our best. Now, your parking lot seems really conducive for that. Because, you know, not everybody's blessed with that in, in this world, the beer, you know, to have that space. Has that worked out really well for you guys? Because I noticed the gates out there that you have rented, so... Yeah. yeah, it works out pretty well for us. I mean, it's a smaller lot, so parking cars is not the easiest thing. But but for space to actually like hang out. You yeah, know? I mean, it's perfect for for a fest. Yeah, it's got like a nice size to it. I was walking in and I was walking, but like the one garage door is open off the side of the building here, and I see that. Now, is that a trailer with taps on the on the side of it out there? I saw tap handles. Yep. Last year we we DIY'd a, a trailer and. Uh, put some taps in it and we've been just taking it around to uh different events and stuff it's it's a great uh resource for us killer i haven't seen much of that you know that's really cool to see that now you you actually segued into something that i i've associated with you guys since i found out about you guys a few years back is uh diy like is that is is most of this tap room everything you guys yes (laughs) yes i mean we we uh when we first saw the space, which is about, I don't know, 5,000 square feet, um, it was kind of a, an empty space. And beautiful up top, nice um, barrel truss roof, and it's a lot of exposed wood. Um, certainly industrial space, but it was uh, ours for the taking a little bit. So we just we built out the tap room ourselves. Yeah. I mean, that's that's both necessity and... And want to, right? Maybe sure. Because at the t- I'm guessing you guys didn't start with a bunch of hundreds of thousands of dollars to soak into this place, huh? Uh, well, yeah, but it basically went <laughs> into all the equipment for brewing. Well, yeah, that stuff. Yeah. Uh, who needs that stuff? <laughs> you can get, like, hand-me-downs or anything from, uh, from, from other breweries. Wow. People want that stainless. I don't know. Man. It's crazy. It's so crazy. And then I feel like everybody's story is, you know, they get stuff no matter how big they start it's like they just keep well we had to add one more and then add another one and add another one it's yeah it's a wild it's a wild thing to watch those farms of tanks just grow in in small spaces yep well you guys have a canning line too you guys have had that for a while right yeah i think what 2014 yep so that'd be uh like a year after we started so that's another yep. space <laughs> space piece oh yeah for sure but if you if you get back there and look at it the footprint isn't isn't huge oh, really? for what it can do. Yeah, it's it's nice. I think I was here like when you guys were doing one of the early canning runs of like painted turtle or something. I think I was sitting at the front and Vicky was working the bar, and I remember you guys were having issues with the cans or something. And she was like, "Oh yeah, they just got this canning machine not that long ago." You know, for, as a consumer from the outside looking in, you're just like, "Wow, that sounds like a huge, huge piece of equipment to deal with." So how do you how do you get familiar with that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's pretty painful. <laughs> Actually, those first few runs were were rough. Yeah. You know, we got the machine used from two brothers and took a lot of work oh. to get it where it needs to be. But now it works great. So how do you learn something like that? I mean, is that something you guys, before you guys did this in, what, 2013, 14, when you started working on this, were you guys hanging out at other breweries and, like, kind of learning from other people or friends? And Yeah, we've learned from a lot from our brewer friends. So when we first opened, it was more 
uh, Haymarket and Pete Crowley were mentors and really helped us out. And when the canning line came online, it was uh, the Half Acre guys were absolutely <laughs> outstanding. They've got experience with some cans, don't they? Oh, they yeah, do. and they run the same line as we do. And do they? Oh. had been through the real painful early days when nobody had canning lines. Those are dark days. Because now you know everything tastes better in cans. You guys know that, right? <laughs> of course. It's, that's the thing, right? That's the yeah. world. It's a good thing you guys didn't get a big bottling machine instead. Right. <laughs> <laughs> big loud one. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. People love cans. People love cans. Now, mm. you guys are 12-ounce cans then, so... Yep. So is that uh, is it the machine built just for 12-ounce cans? That's it? Like there's no right. upping that to 16-ounce cans or anything? Yeah, we, it can do, with some modifications, everything from 12 to 19.2. Oh, okay. Well, the big boys. Well, I haven't seen yeah. those since. Like, didn't Slapshot use those or something for a while? Somebody Maybe. somebody had yeah. those big boys for a while. I think they had 24-ounce. Oh, wow. The that's real big way ones. Way bigger than I was thinking. <laughs> the, uh, the, tr- the train cans. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> Commuter cans. So, I mean, I know, you know, we, we talked about 20, 2013, you said that's when you established this that, place, when you started putting paperwork in. I mean, when did the search start? That's that's when the doors opened, December oh, of 2013. Geez. So I'd when, say about a year before that, we started um, writing a business plan and <laughs> getting involved with TTB, our, our good friends. <laughs> good good friends, right? Yeah. I thought that's what you said. Good yeah. friends. Yeah. So how, did, how did, was the idea child born? Like, when, I mean, you just, let's do this. Right, so um, Ike and I knew each other from another business. Um, we were both in uh, in one way or another in, in marketing, um, and I had a little graphic design shop, and Ike was working for a company that was my customer, um, my client, and uh, I met Ike, and, well, in a, in a, I guess a short way, I had some of his beers in there were just fantastic. Just homebrew stuff. Yeah. Homebrew okay. stuff. Yeah. And I, I was homebrewing a little, but like, you know, newbie, here's a kit, yeah. you know, yeah, uh, yeah I made beer kind of, I'm living that life. That's yeah. where I'm at. Um, yeah, but Ike had been doing it and I'll let him tell his story, but had been doing it much longer for, and, uh, and the beers really showed it. Isn't it always weird when you have good homebrew from someone? Like when somebody yeah. hands you one, like because you're always expect. I mean, for me, I'm always expecting the worst. Yeah. I'm always like, I got to prepare myself for a face or whatever. It is. You know, I'm mean, like, right. shit's good, man. Right. Like you know that right. that thought process. And when and when you're doing it and you get a good one, you wish that you made a bigger batch or something because yeah. <laughs> because yeah. uh, then you know the next one is iffy if it's going to come right. out the same way that's yeah. a good point too yeah because just yeah if you ha- get handed a great one it doesn't mean you're going to be able to replicate it again it's right. got to be part of the challenge right. yeah you know I, I, and I've had some recently I've had some good ones and the, the same thing where it's just like can you, I'm wondering do I have a corny keg you can fill up like you know <laughs> I want some of this at home now so you guys both kind of just met each other by chance like through marketing and then found out like oh you're into beer i'm into beer like that kind of thing is that simple yep (laughs) it feels like there's so much more you like to drink beer i like to drink beer let's drink a lot of beers together what else do you need right and remember you know it was 2012 not the same world and yeah and it was like wow you can if you think uh, through and build a plan like you could do this you know you you can you can start up a business and and scale it up and People are doing this, regular people, and are they're going pro, you know. And uh, so it can be done, and we, we thought, you know, 
I certainly thought the the product that Ike was making at a homebrew level was superior to a lot of beers that I have tried on the market. So, you know, just made sense. So Ike at that time, like what 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 was your what was your setup like? Yeah, no, it was pretty it was pretty rustic. You know, we yeah. had a cooler, <laughs> modified cooler to make a mash tun and a keg with uh, the top cut off for a for a boil kettle and just uh you know turkey burner or what do you call yeah. that turkey yeah. fryer burner yeah. yeah you know what i'm talking Perfect. about some, yeah. some people call banjo. it is there a brand maybe like a bayou burner or that's something right. it's what a banjo it? banjo burner. Yeah. banjo burner there it is yeah that's what we used to on the garage out in the garage yeah, so yeah but you know temperature control get that shit out of the house yeah <laughs> that's right <laughs> i'm lucky my father-in-law's got some good shit so. yeah. nice. <laughs> much easier on on me i don't have to use the kitchen and get yelled at or anything yeah. So at the time you're you're doing the, like what five gallon batches here and there on this this setup. Yeah, this was I started back in I guess 2005 when my wife bought me a homebrew kit and like that exploded in her face and she didn't oh. not literally but you know she didn't see what happened coming at all. So she oh, thought it's a it was just kit. an innocent like cool little thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Little did she know. <laughs> she got the receipt for that thing still. <laughs> no, be, I, I hope that not. That should be framed somewhere. Right. But no, I was doing I guess uh, ten gallon runs at a time, and probably oh, wow. probably doing it a couple times a week. Oh the my biggest, God. yeah, the biggest issue was trying to find a home for all this beer. Yeah, like who's going to drink it all? Like how many did you just give shit away to your friends? Like, yep. Were you kegging all that at ten gallon batch? Yeah. I was going to say that would have been a pain in the ass to bottle it all the time. Oh, right? absolutely. Okay. But I had a nice mobile setup. I take it to basically any party anybody wanted beer. It's like. I'll bring a keg. Just a little jo- jockey box or something that you were. It was. It was really more basic than that. Just a, just a Cobra tapper and nice. a little CO2 tank and ice bucket. And off you go. This little sixtals of, of yeah. beer, huh? That's yeah, really right. Great. That's so that's really popular great. with people. I I could imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with people. Yeah. Drinkers. With everyone. Yeah. Well, you know, it's I've I've talked to a lot of people that that went a little nuts early on with homebrew, and it's like, well, how do I, how do I get this beer? out of my basement or whatever right. you know right. it's carboy on carboy in the in the basement uh fermenting away and then it's like you keg it up and you gotta throw a party or something. find some excuse to to get this shit out right yeah. it's like uh gardeners uh, you know they're pickling <laughs> everything and they're there's you know after harvest jars you know, there's and so jars many tomato sauces and, you know please take this jardiner there's <laughs> any gardeners listening we will take all of your jardiner <laughs> <Yes. laughs> send it over uh so no, the, the the homebrew thing is, you know, it's a common way to start. But, I mean, at what point and what were you looking at that told you guys, you know, we could probably do this? Because, right, you got to go comps. In 2012, you're looking at who? Yeah. Who, who, was, who <laughs> was kicking off then? You know, Finches was kind of yeah. coming on the market. Uh-huh. Salamoth was, I think they were 2012. They were right there, yeah. Yeah, right there. Yeah, John was on, John Barley. He was on the show recently. Yeah, it was about 2012. I remember when he said that because you always it's all like dog years for brewers. You know, it's like if you yeah. were open like one year, it's like okay, even it's like seven in other words. I don't know. It feels weird when yeah. somebody says I've been open for six years. You're like, what? You've been open for six years? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I would say the 57 episodes. I'd say the majority of the people I've talked to have been open two years or less. You know. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be five in December. Yeah, you guys are old as. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. I feel it. I was going to say. I'm uh, balding. I'm, no, but who's you know, at that point, coming into the market, there were a lot of um, 
outside of Illinois breweries. So you had like Deschutes coming in and yeah. some of these New York breweries. Six Point or Six whatever. Point. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. They're, they're tra- like regionally trying to get that. Right. Like Lagunitas was uh, successful, you know, and I think other people started to try to, I don't know. I'm sorry, go on. No, but yeah, outside of that, it was Revolution, Half Acre, and then some uh, two yeah. brothers and some startups. Five, Five Rabbit was right around that, Five Rabbit, that yeah. time too. And, um, and they were, were uh, contract brewing. That was all contract, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, basically we saw a lot of outside of Illinois breweries coming in, a lot of contract brew happening, and we just thought there's got to be a spot for, you know, a more local option, especially yeah. around our area. You know, now we've got Imperial Oak and Blue Nose and some others, but, I mean, there was nothing between basically Chicago and Warrenville. And I go, like I said, Naperville, but there was really nothing in this area yep. when we started up and we thought people really could use a brewery here. <laughs> right. You thought I was the guy for the job. Man. Yeah. <laughs> so what's it look like at that point then when you guys are doing your research, making your plan? Is, is it just the two of you guys? I mean, is everything's happening with Sean and Ike? Sean and Ike don't do this. It doesn't get done type thing. Yeah. You know, the pre, the preliminary stuff. Oh, yeah. Now, at this point, are you guys both uh, married, uh, you yep. know, kids and stuff? At, at, so, you, so you got all these factors. And then this animal that, you know, eventually becomes buckled down. So, so how, did, how did that work out? I mean, do the, did the wives pitch in? Or are they, you know, yeah. dealing with this and that? Or are they just kind of surviving uh, you guys right now? I mean, I think they, they pitched in more than they get credit for or than they realize yeah yeah for sure and the just just um living it at home um you know taking care of the family but just all the you know the emotional burden of starting a business and the financial burden of starting a business and that's um that's a lot you know then there are certainly partners in a lot of ways but um yeah it's it's a lot of burden time right time oh yeah time and i mean i think yeah particularly the first couple years where um you know neither ike nor i uh were part of the industry as it were like uh didn't bartend didn't bar managed you know that that's a having a tap room is like a a big part of that and that that burns the candle at at a third end (laughs) basically extra (laughs) Yeah. yeah um just just dealing with you know cash and customers and all that stuff on top of um you know getting up in the morning and brewing and strategizing and all that stuff too accounting so how long every batch was was ike and sean's batch like for how long did that go on every brew day or is it still happening right now no probably not not quite as much we've got a great team that does packaging and brewing but i mean that probably went for at least a year and a half before we had anybody else in the back helping out with the brews yep so do you need someone front of house always like right when you open like we we, we're not in this world we need someone here yep yep and we had one person um to do basically all the bartending man that that might be uh back to your point of only being open wednesday through sunday right um just for a little break you know and ike and i were we're bartending and you know how do you feel about that side of it is it, is it weird for you guys I mean, you, to be like it that? It sucks. <laughs> I no, talked to a I lot mean, of guys that are like, I can't no. stand being in the no, bar. No, like yeah, it, it, it absolutely sucks. Um, and I give a lot of credit to people who, you know, do it every day and um, to the people that we employ who do it every day. But um, on the other hand, 
um, you get great customer feedback. Right. That's um, the thing. It's just direct face to face. Maybe maybe too much. <laughs> maybe yeah. more than you want. Like, Bro, uh, what I would have done here has been up yeah. the two row on this one. Right. <laughs> absolutely. And I think just comments on everything, you know, about the chairs and about the lighting and, you know, just yeah. all parts of the tap room experience. Um, we used to have this um, running joke that the, the worst six words in the world are, you know what you should do? <laughs> no, there's no <laughs> doubt about it. That is, and I think you guys are not the only ones that are living that life too. Because I think I hear it all the time. Every tap room that I go to and sit down, there's always a somebody at the end of the bar saying like, what I would have done here or what you should do is, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we don't hear it as much as we used to, I think, now that we're old you're, men. You're old men. Old you're men established brewing, now. You know? Yeah. You guys have built a brand that people love, so it's kind of hard to explain to you guys what you should and shouldn't have done. Right. You know? And we didn't, you know, we didn't build a wall. We still listened to it, oh, yeah. um, you know, but took it with a grain of salt, right? So they're still my customers. I still have to pay attention to uh, what they're putting out there. You guys were you guys were a big part of like my my early days when I really started to get in into beer and started like making it a point to visit tap rooms and you know talk about 2013 or 14. It's like there wasn't a ton. I mean, there was plenty. Like we started to see that boom, but then you know nothing like the 2016, 2017, 2018 here. But but uh, I came in here when you guys were pretty early on and I ordered a, I know I had a couple beers with a coworker and then I took a growler to go and I just didn't understand the world like of, of the beer and, and the growler and the high gravity and all that stuff. And I got, I got home and I got like the receipt in the email and I was like, they charged me $33 for this growler. And I think I like reached out to you guys and you took care of me and you were like, oh, you know, but you also educated me on the, like the, the price changes of, you know, what, what higher ABV so that was kind of like my first like uh, learning process of, of starting to understand beer and like the business of it and what equals what and what's fair. And, and I think you guys did a great job because you could have been like, screw off. Like, that's what this is. Like, you, you didn't read the menu well enough. And instead, you guys were like, oh, no, it's cool. We'll take care of it. So, you know, really, really good uh, lesson for me as a newer, newer uh, beer guy. So yeah. I believe it was like Clencher or something, which is still one of my favorite beers, by the way. Thank love you. That. Love that. Thank beer. you. <laughs> I love all the different. You guys do citra clencher. You guys change it up every once in a while, right? Right. It, we, it's been pretty static. We, it started out as a rotating hop experiment, really, okay. that we do all draft only. When we brought on cans, you know, just the, the nature of the can game is you've got to buy about 100,000 cans at a time is the minimum. So, so crazy. We can, right? Pallets. Yeah, pallets like 25 pallets. pallets. So we got kind of, we locked in and, and chose Citra and Simcoe as kind of our lead hops on that one. But actually pretty excited. Come beginning of next year, we're going to be rotating back to a, to a rotating hop kind of thing. We're going to do two or th- three or four different. Play around with it a little bit. Yeah, okay. kind of back to the roots of it and get to play with some of these newer varieties that everybody loves, that I love, that Sean loves. And just really breathe, uh, breathe some life from back in the day back into it. Oh yeah, I'm sure once once you get to be old men like yourselves in the brewing world, right? You get you start to you start to have to kind of make things more consistent and streamlined and efficient, and you you got to come back eventually to like the experimental and playing around. Like, how much R and D do you guys get to do, or do you have the guys in the back here like, hey, here's a small system, like try something? Yeah, we do we do a decent amount on our 15 barrel tank. That's our small tank, and it's still you know good size, but yeah, yeah that's that's really our experimental tank okay. that we play with. Now, when you guys are like uh, when you're 
giving out homebrews to, to Sean when you guys meet. Now, are you at this point inspired? Like, are you kind of sticking with, you know, what was going on in 2012, like West Coast IPAs or something like that? Or were you like more Belgian or German inspired or? It, it was uh, a lot of West Coast IPAs and some Belgians too. I mean, what we really, we love two hearted, you know, we drink yeah, a ton of that at, at old yeah. uh, beer bistro back in the day. Yeah. It was really where we did most of our, our consumption and, and, and Bob always had a great list and a ton of different stuff to try but yeah it was like Green Flash was big then and um, you know obviously Two Hearted was fantastic mm-hmm. and you saw a little bit of local stuff but not not a ton I mean Antihero I think was kind of just getting its hitting its stride hole, at that yeah. point yeah. yeah and then yeah a little bit of Belgian stuff really that's a that's from hanging out at Haymarket and you know becoming friends with Pete Crowley and kind of delving into that that yeah. belgian side of things yeah. and we really loved it we've got a belgian ipa we've had now for five years it's one of our original beers yeah. Fiddlesticks. Fiddlesticks. yeah yeah that was one of the first beers i had from you guys I think oh. and, uh, and when we started uh ike's ike makes a really fantastic belgian single and uh that was one of the beers that we started off with and it's not really a um a beer that people know or or go to but it's always like really refreshing and it's just the the belgian yeast the esters are amazing and um you can have a few of them (laughs) but um but yeah it was i mean that was one of the first beers that besides your hoppy stuff it was just amazing yeah 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 that's a 2012 2013 beer the belgians the belgian ipas you know not nearly as many people seem to drink those all right now it's not kicking those things out one after another and they built a brand basically on that you know they had their viking series too but then there was a lot of bombers of belgian beers that hit pretty hard you know and now nowadays it's like you can only make a one like one off and it's gonna sell slowly you know but it'll sell but it'll sell slowly very slowly yeah, yeah absolutely so uh, with, I don't know if you feel comfortable doing this, but you know, I always want to ask somebody this. And I never remember to explain to myself personally and, and some other like beer people, the single, double, triple type, you know, not IPAs, but like the Belgians, like your quads right. and your triples. and the Right, right, right. Yeah. So, so the singles are, they're, they're sometimes called that. Patter's beer is another one there. My understanding of the, of the evolution is it was, you know, big breweries like St. Bernardus and the Trappist people needed a beer that the guys could actually drink that wasn't going to get them all all screwed up as 12 or 13 or 14% when they need to go yeah. you know do other monk stuff like work other in a field stuff. or <laughs> make cheese or I don't know whatever whatever monks do so that's kind of where the 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 single came from and it can be you know like a second running off a big mash for a triple so basically you're pulling most of that sugar out to make a big 11 or 12 or 13 percent beer and then you can run water through it again pull out some more sugar and make like a four or five percent beer so that's i think where the patters beer came from is that like uh, a, is that similar to the thought process of like a table beer i've heard that before exactly too. okay 100 percent. okay it's almost like a second run on the grain exactly yep and uh the double's kind of different that's usually a darker much maltier richer multi belgian beer okay. like versus you look at the single and the triple they're both like pills malt base uh, some simple sugar a little bit of hops and off you go so very pale but the double is dark and malty and delicious so why is a single double trip like why is it it feels like a progressive pattern i guess to like the normal brain you're thinking like because i guess most people are probably 
IPA, double IPA, and now with triple IPAs, these Imperials or whatever you see out there. Um, so, you know, you think stronger as it goes up. So is that not the case with single, double, triple I, I think it is, it is the case, I think, from an alcohol standpoint. Okay, from you like know, an so ABV, okay. Yeah, quads are definitely bigger. I'm not, I don't think I've even had a quad before. You know, I know Unane makes one. I see that all the time. There's a couple of them. I think I've had a couple. What's that like? Is that like a big, big triple? Or is it a little more It's called complex. Quad. It's literally called Quad. That's the name of Udinese. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's called Quad. So, you know, yeah, it's, I guess it would be darker to me when I, when it pours. It's got that, like, thicker multi feel to it. But I don't know. It's just something that I've never wrapped my head around to yes. have that educational conversation on it. For sure. And I wish I could give you more details. <laughs> I know Sierra Nevada made a Quad, again, back in, like, 2012. I don't know if I ever had that one, though. Hmm. Yeah, it's always it's always an interesting topic because like like we talked about, I like get it, t- it ties into that that I, don't, I wouldn't say like it's dying. It's just something that, you know. Right now, pastry stouts, hazy IPAs, IPAs. You know, that's never heard of them. <laughs> that's that's right. I mean, <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. It's it's what's happening right now. But uh, but those Belgian styles, they really tend to stick out when you find a good one now because of the the marketplace that we're in. Uh, so what are you guys doing now? Are you changing anything you're doing? Are you kind of just, you know, just progressing? Do you guys have to watch the market too? I mean, you guys are marketing guys, right? <laughs> yeah, we definitely watch the market, you know, and we're, we have a lot of our businesses in chain, like Jewel Osco, Mariano's, Whole Foods. So yeah, we, we absolutely keep an eye on things and make changes where we need to. We've got, a, I think, a pretty significant change coming next year. We don't do a ton of maybe the real trendy stuff um we're doing actually doing a hazy tomorrow we're canning that that's our dry hop collaboration that we did for the first time last year it's called release the haze it's delicious dry hop uh on chicago yeah have brewers yeah they're gonna be on the show next month oh fantastic yeah yeah yeah. brant yeah brant's also one of our you know he's another old man of chicago beer so they opened in earlier in 2013 than we did maybe just a couple months and the first i think one of the first beers we did we did a couple with Haymarket before we opened, and then we did um, Shirt Ride Shotgun right. with, uh, with Dry Hop back in maybe September or August of 2013. Oh, wow. What was that beer? It was a, we called it, what, what did we call it? It was like a, like a harvest beer, we called it, but it was just a bunch of different grains. Yeah, it was like wheat, oats, rye. Barley. It had all all the all the grains. Yeah, <laughs> all the grains. <laughs> all the grains. But that was yeah, like um, more like drier West Coast style pale ale IPA, like mm-hmm. upper six percent, but you know, delicious. Right, and Brant and uh, um, and company. It, it took them a, lo- a while to get open. Um, just going through all the hoops in Chicago and um, getting those things locked down. So uh, Brant just did a lot of collaborations with local guys and um, to to great success but uh, before they got open so you guys recently did do like a hazy beer too right was it just you guys or uh, another collab of some sort I feel like I just saw the label recently and it was almost like a sarcastic title and I can't remember was 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 that Trouble Blaster probably Trouble Blaster yeah that was earlier in, in the s- late spring. Okay. So we've done two of them, basically, in our existence. We did the Trouble Blaster and then released the Haze. That might be okay. something we, we look to do a little more of next year. I mean, I think at first I was very hesitant, maybe like a hater of, like, yeah. why are these so murky and weird looking? But 
People get mad at me all the time because I bring it up on like every episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why do you always talk about hazy beers? I'm like, because that's what everybody's drinking. That's I can't help it. Wants. It's right. part of it. So I got a chance, you know, Brant's one of the, I think the, the I don't know, innovator or he brought it to Chicago in a lot of ways. I mean, Corridor and Dry Hop, what they do with the Hazies is pretty impressive. I was impressive, at Corridor right? on Saturday. We had a wedding at Shuba's, and so we walked up up to Corridor, and Jesus, they make such great beer at such a cool little spot. Yeah. They had a sour on that with brand beer or something that was just outstanding. And that's the other trend, too, is the big fruited, fresh-fruited sour. That's the other, the sure, Berliners sure. and stuff. That's another mm-hmm. big one. But, yeah, Brant's been, you know, part of this for a while now. and. Yeah. He's just a chill dude, too. He's just a good guy. Yeah? Yeah. I can't wait to meet him. Yeah, so he kind of gave me the... He he explained it to me, what it's all about. I've seen that before. You know, I've heard these stories from a lot of guys that have said, like, I hated it, I fought it, I wasn't... You know, it's either I hated it, I fought it, or or a combination of those two, or the... Uh, I didn't understand it. Uh, I think Aaron uh, Dahl over at Alarmist Brewing up north, uh, They he, he mentioned to me, that he's like, I just didn't get it, you know, and then, and then I... I think he went to Boston or something, and he's like, then I got it. You know, like, I, I talked to some people. I talked, you know, a little more technical stuff, I guess, and just kind of learning how to how to use things and, and try things, you know, because I've also talked to guys that are like, it's it's nothing but just uh, poorly flocculating, you know, yeast or something. But then, you know, I've heard people break it down in such a scientific way that it just sounds like, no, that's not what the case is. It's... A very good style, and, and it takes technique, and it takes skill to make it. Yeah, I think it, I think it's definitely the latter for me, for my understanding. Is there's a lot to it. There's a lot going on to make it act right and look right and taste right, and it's pretty cool. I, I like them. I couldn't drink them every day. I mean, I like, like I like one, some bitterness. I have and, one and yeah. yeah. Well, that's the other thing that I think a lot of what I'm my friends and you know people that I drink beer with are are coming to that moment where it's like it's hitting that tipping point of of all right now we're too juicy now we're too hazy you know now now right. i want that same thing but who can put that like little bitter twist on it um yep. so just remind me that i'm drinking an ipa type of thing i mean is that right something on. that you're focusing on now for sure yeah i think that's where we've always been really mm-hmm. i mean we've never been as west coast as as some people are i mean like belt and suspenders are flagship beer is always been much more focused on the aromatics and the juiciness i mean we use uh, an english ale yeast uh, 1968 that just it's it's a real it's juicy to me right it's not like orange juice like some of the the more hazy ones are but i think we've always been you know closer to the fruity aromatic juicy side than the real bitter biting a hot hundred ibu like, right yeah uh-huh. right well, that was a thing for a while too, right? The IBU race—you like were just chasing down the oh, hundred, yeah. ridiculous, like just making things up at certain points, like 115. Yeah. Though you can't taste it, apparently. What's that one? Uh, who does Hopzar? Oh, Bridgeport, Bridgeport. And I, I remember tasting that and thinking, "Whoa, that's enough." <laughs> you know, this, <laughs> this is, is too much. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there's some palate record was another one. Oh that yeah, was just tongue splitter, tongue splitter, just yeah. disgusting, yeah. Yeah. not good. Like Three Floyds did a really good job in that era to like toe that line, you know, with like Dreadnought and Panzer Wolf and Permanent Funeral and stuff. Like those guys, kind of, that was the max that I wanted to deal with. You know, uh, Hop Stupid from Lagunitas. Like that's that's where I topped out. I was like, all right, yeah. I, I'm I'm good here. Let's not go any further. Yeah. Did you say tongue splitter? Was that one? Yeah, there was one. <laughs> remember Who that? And that was that. I remember having that at uh, at uh, Beer Bistro. No shit. Like, yeah, 
I do not remember that one. I should look it up. I can't remember what brewery, but it does. Give it an untapped rating. Yeah. Don't care for bitter IPAs. 3.1. Sorry. Untapped's fun. Yeah. And not fun. Meh. Yeah, meh. Uh huh. Don't care for sours. 2.5. Yeah, so what else do you guys do then? I mean, Fisticuffs, Fritzicuffs, Fiddlesticks, Buckle Downs, Belt Suspenders. Uh, these are beers that I've known for years, right? I mean, you, yep. you guys have had these out for a long time. Do you guys still do Painted Turtle? Is it like a session IPA? It, it, the last uh, cases are on the shelves really? right now. So Wow. Um, it's dying, it huh? Is, we are killing it. That was killing also another thing, a session IPAs. Session IPAs were like the future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, may, you know, future. maybe we'll bring it back. We'll get some old guys to sit around a table and drink, uh, have a session with sure. this beer. You drink know? a whole bunch of session ales, right? Man. Right. It's a uh, poor guy. Yeah, I just never, you know, you never know. People, I've had people tell me, well, now the next thing is going to be pilsners and lagers are reborn. You know, and it's I've like been nobody, hearing that for three years. Right. Nobody wants to take yeah. the time and the space to make a good one. You know, I, I love there's some good ones out there. Like Pipeworks' is premium pills is outstanding. I love that beer, but. There's a lot of people making good pills. There's just not a ton of them out there. Uh, I got to pay the visit to to Dovetail. I mean, Dovetail, they're doing, that's that's a cool place. They just do what they want. They just do, you know, Mm. the beers that they want to do. But what about you guys? I mean, what's what's the focus going forward? I mean, that's, we've always kind of maintained that we just, uh, well, John, our director of sales, likes to say core before more. Set the guy in the corner? Yep, yep. (laughs) And uh, we brought him on um, right when we released Clencher and Cans. So he's uh, almost at three years, and he's been essential to the business. Um, but he says core before more, and, and uh, we we agree with that. You know, our our belt and suspenders uh, is still getting new fans. Um, yes. It's our fa- it's still our a growing brand for us even though it's been around for a while and it's not hazy and it's not some some specialty milkshake hazy brown um, but um so we stand by that and uh and we stand by um you know the beers that you just mentioned <laughs> minus minus painted turtle but well, I mean, um, you know, but people we have cores and like, i mean there's people that will say flagship or something too but it's you guys have kind of this an actual core like you guys do have five you know whatever how many beers that are pretty you know i know where to find them when to find them and, right. and then even like i've noticed i've seen grapefruit belts and suspenders regularly now man it's something that you know three years ago i'd have had to probably like camp out in front of a you know whenever the delivery trucks come in to try to get man the ex- expansion is pretty cool to try out some different things with belt suspenders yeah i think uh, you know uh, ike mentioned our our 15 barrel it's it's fun to play around with some stuff uh here in the tap room um or or just limited distribution to independent liquor stores or uh benny's only thing or something like that um but i would say Cactus Pants, our our uh, Mexican style lager, is something that we did this year, and it's just exploded. Um, I, we get a lot of attention from our customers about that, um, but that's new, you know. And we're not really we weren't chasing a trend. We were just kind of hoping for a nice, easy drinker for the summer, um, and maybe looking for that um, sister or brother to Painted Turtle. Uh, and when it goes away so yeah um yeah 
so we can you know we we have fun exploring with some stuff and yeah, sometimes it works florida last year on vacation drinking uh modelos and coronas i'm like man these are good <laughs> and i thought i i have a brewery Hope maybe, people are like maybe we shouldn't people are like maybe how we should dare make he, them how dare he bring up commercially made beers Oh, they're del- they're yeah, they're good. The right no. right time, right place. I mean, yep. it's what it is. It's that state of mind. It all goes together. It yeah. all comes together. The only question for you is, is it going to be awesome to make a hot beer out of one of those little Valentina on the top and some seasoned oh, it, salt? That sounds it is. amazing. It is good. That yeah, we've done that. Perfect. Oh, yes. Yeah. Now, can you uh, technically explain the difference between like Mexican lager and then your I don't know what a German lager or right? Yeah. Well, we look at. We use the same lager yeast that we use for our German beers, so it's, um, and I think the lager yeasts are generally, in my opinion, and my experience, are, they're pretty close. I mean, you might get a little very subtle differences in flocculation and ester and stuff like that, but they're pretty tight. So we like our, our house lager strain that we use, so what we do for our Mexican beer is really, it's a focus on a uh, different grist composition and a hopping rate. So. Uh, with our German pills, we use uh, a pretty heavy dose of aromatic hops to really kind of bring forward. It's a, it's a hoppier pills for sure. Uh, the Mexican beer has got a decent amount of corn in it. It's got a decent amount of six-row barley in it and some two-row and just a, just a whisper of hops. I mean, that's really what we look for is focus on maybe not exactly how the Mexican breweries do it, but really to try to get to the same end point of something you know, light in color, super crisp, super drinkable, not very bitter. Uh, hit the right ABV and and off you go. I mean, it's it's a technically challenging style, but I think from a you know a what it is kind of point, it's it's pretty simple. What's the challenge? Is it timing? Is it is it temperature? Like, what's what's the big challenges on beers like that? Is yeah, I it, think is it the post the fermentation side of it that's the challenging, or is it the actual brew day process or Right, you always hear the well. There's not much, not much to hide behind. So if you've got a technically flawed beer, it's going to show up more without a big dry hop rate. But you know, I think generally that's not an issue for for most of the brewers now. I mean, I think pretty much everything that us and and I think a lot of our our uh, compadres in Chicago do, they're just technically sound beers generally. You know, uh, but yeah, I think for us when we're brewing it, I think the biggest challenge we have is really. Uh, from an infrastructure standpoint, so getting the beer cold enough, knocking it out cold enough. Um, We've got, you know, our chillers not huge, so it struggles a little bit when we're trying to ferment something. Not so much fermenting it, but really getting that fermenter filled at a nice cold temperature. Like, you know, lager-specific breweries like Dovetail, I'm sure, have got big cold liquor tanks. And, you know, just there's some stuff specific to lager brewing that's a little bit different. I think we make it all work here really well. You know, but it's just they're longer days, they're they're hotter days, um, and you really got to make sure you're doing all the little things right. Which again, you know, we've been doing it for five years now, so it's we just do what we do with with those ingredients. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and, and a lot of you know, I, I get people that listen to the podcast for the stories and because and they're into beer, but I also have a lot of homebrewers that listen. So like, what you're talking about is very good information for for a lot of the guys that listen. You know. They love to hear that technical piece of things. And I, I got to say, lagering and, you know, like Pilsner, things like that is not something that we get into much on the technical side. So it's good to hear that stuff. So, and are you like the, the like unit tanks or glycol jacketed? You oh, know, yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. So, yeah, we, we can control all of our temperatures right. very 
pretty easily. So yeah, yeah, push, pretty easily. Pushing the buttons. Push the yeah. buttons. Yeah, just make sure you do it on the right day. But yeah, the lager yeast is a little bit different. Just when you, so we will generally on most of our beers we're we're pulling yeast out of the cone to to repitch. So it's a little bit different timing wise as to when lager yeast is ready. I think that's probably the the biggest challenge and the biggest critical component I see in brewing lagers to make sure you have a real active healthy pitch of yeast. If you start to run into some lag issues, I mean, that's when you get diacetyl and you get a slow fermentation and it just doesn't go right. So for us, really, the yeast management side on our lager beers is is critical. I mean, it's critical for all the beers, obviously, but um, I think they're, the lagers can be a little more pickier about it. Okay. Now, yeah, that's another interesting thing, too. I just had Lance from Omega on recently, Omega Yeast, and that that was mind-blowing to me to listen to him talk about the importance and now when you're when you're doing the yeast like are you starting with some strain that somebody made for you or some that you bought from a store or omega makes something for you and then you're continually cultivating that you know over and over again or how does that work yeah so oh there we go sounds of the 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 lions what's this lions township we're in lions Lions? okay so the, the yeast we use are, are generally pretty available. So our ale yeast is 1968. Uh, it's available from Y yeast. Okay. Uh, we were getting it from Brewing Sciences in Colorado. I think I'm switching over to Omega now just because it's closer. And Gotta love that. Yeah, Lance mm-hmm. and those guys are great. They're freaking smart, man. Absolutely. So generally on, on our ale yeast beers, we're yeah, getting a commercially available strain like 1968, and then we're just, we'll brew with it, and then every seventh day it gets pulled out and pitched into a new beer like clockwork so we'll run that out you know 10 or 12 weeks so it'll make a lot of beer yeah so does it does it just start to lose its i mean what 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 deteriorates during that time why can't you use it forever i don't think there'd be an issue i mean at some point you'd have an issue we we sometimes run it out as late as like 15 or 16 generations but then it just gets to be from my standpoint it's it's a risk management thing so you could save a couple bucks by running it out a few more generations but i think your odds of of ruining multiple batches of beer get higher exponentially greater yeah and it's it's probably not going to be an issue i mean i talked to my my buddies at rev that you know they've run that yeast out close to 20 generations with no issues but not anymore this is like jim seabeck back in the day that's Mm -hmm. told me what they've done in the past um I don't notice any drift on it, like if we're out to like 15 generations, but it just starts to, I'd get a little nervous. Okay. And, it's almost you know, like insurance. So. Yeah, and for us, you know, we're... <laughs> just in case. We're pitching every week, and it's a couple weeks before we're able to evaluate the end beer. So if you did have an issue, let's say on Gen 15, you might not catch it for three weeks, and then you've got a couple hundred barrels of beer that might need to go down the drain. That sounds like a good day. Sounds like a great day. Oh, yeah. Dumping those barrels. So that sounds like a nightmare. What does that do to your... I mean, I'm guessing you guys have had to dump a batch at some point, right? Yes. And I heard heard if you're not do If you haven't dumped a batch of beer, you're probably not doing a good job. So... It's uh, it's pretty painful. Yeah. I mean, it's It's kind of a uh, gut wrencher. I was about to say how long it's been. Yeah, not going to say that. It's like one of those boards in the factory. It's been 368 (laughs) days since our last accident. Incident. Yeah. We call that. Oh, that's hilarious. But then we also, one of the other beers we've done a lot over the last couple of years is a Hefeweizen, German Hefeweizen. And that's a beer from a yeast side that we always use fresh yeast on it. I mean, it's... Any reasoning behind that? 
Yeah, it just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, you can't. <laughs> Simple enough. Yeah, you can't repitch those. Okay. Um, that's a top, what they call a top cropping yeast, and we've got unit tanks that we pull off the bottom. The oh. German breweries who do it have got these these crazy open fermenters that have like a slide in one side of it, so the yeast will actually like slide out of the top of the tank, and they'll what? pull that to use for future generations. Uh, but yeah, for us, it just doesn't work. I mean, I think there might be a way we could do it, but it would be a nightmare. So we just buy fresh yeast. For the heffy. Yeah. For the heffy. Right. Okay. Yeah, for the heffy. Or we just become a hef brewery. Do right. it. Do <laughs> yeah. Just really piss people off. Yeah, yeah, right. Cut the tops yeah. off all I our tanks. You're gonna make trend, like, right? you're, yeah, you're going to make like a thousand people happy and then piss really off happy. like a hundred thousand <laughs> people, you know? Uh, so, did you guys, uh, you know, being being the elder statesman of the beer world at this point in the Chicagoland area, We're really pushing this <laughs> one hard? <laughs> have you guys, have you guys taken, you know, have you taken your love, you know, on the road to travel out to, you know, overseas and kind of learn some things, or is that something that you guys get into? I've had a lot of good stories of, you know, I went over to Germany and I went over to, you know, it uh, it's been on the books every year since we opened. And that's all I'm going to say about that. A learning Someday. trip that just hasn't happened yet. <laughs> right. What about around the country? I mean, do you guys go to different fests or anything or travel around for beer and then just kind of pick up some other stuff? Yeah, we don't, we don't uh, go to every GABF or every CBC, but we do uh, travel. I mean, it's, it's good to kind of keep up with the brewing community and understand what's going on, yeah. uh, particularly in, at home in America. GABF's like coming up soon, right? Yeah. Is it happening yes. right now? Is it yes. this week? I don't know. It's got coming yeah, up I think soon. This this week. Yep. Will you guys be at Fobab? Yes. Yeah. What are you guys bringing there? And it's secret or is it? <laughs> they haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> I don't know. Do you know? No, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We have a few options. Nice. Uh, that's <laughs> good. Options. That's good. Do you guys um, do much with barrel aging and stuff? I mean, you mess around with a lot. Do you have a, a nice wood collection? I, mean, I yeah, see some yeah, right we try here. To, we try to do uh, four different beers a year in barrels. So we've got a good relationship with a few up in Evanston. And nice. we'll do, I think we do about three beers a year with their barrels. We do an oatmeal stout. We do an Imperial Red Rye that we just released a couple weeks ago. Mm. What's uh, that one called? Irresponsible. Irresponsible. It's a red rye barrel aged. What, what type of barrels is it? Rye barrels. Rye barrels. Okay. Yeah, so it's rye and rye and rye. Is it, are they still, is it still running around? Is it still out or is it gone? Yeah, yeah we got gone? some. Okay. Yeah, we got okay. some left. Uh, and then we did a, an oatmeal stout called Stone and, St- Stone and Sea. That's like a Stone big imperial sea. oatmeal stout that was delicious. Uh, we do a Russian imperial stout called Significant that comes out on Black Wednesday. Correct. Yeah, yeah, okay. I've I've seen that one. All right, you guys. Have, how many how many years have you done that one? This will be three, okay. three. Yeah. And what uh, barrels that usually see? That is Buffalo Trace. Buffalo Trace. Big fifty three gallon Buffalo Trace. Okay. We're doing another thing right now that's pretty cool. It's a double barrel, double milk stout that mm-hmm. we did with Imperial Oak. So it's like a big milk stout that we age in Buffalo Trace barrels for six months or four months, and then we rack those into new fresh bourbon barrels which should be delicious See, now that's you're October saying all the 13th. right words yeah. you're saying all yeah. the right words it's the beer nerds are getting it's really gonna be a big one right now. Yeah. That's and then, then we got one more on the books that we're just brewing this week it's going to be another big milk stout um that we're trying to bring the essence of a cannoli 
through Ooh, via okay. the stout. So I'm listening. Some vanilla, some pistachio. Um, it should be fun. That'll be barrel aged as well. Now, is that fun for you guys? I mean, is that is it cool messing around with that stuff? I mean, how do you feel about adjuncts in general? I, I'm okay with them. We don't yeah. do a ton of adjunct beers. I mean, we do a decent amount of barrel aged stuff, I think, but generally we'll do maybe a keg or two out of a barrel aged run. We'll get dosed up with something. You know, we did one last year that was like a mounds bar, so it was Ooh, coconut nice. and chocolate. And so I like when we do it, we kind of try to take inspiration from maybe a food product yes. that we like. So it was nice That's last okay. week to eat a bunch of cannolis and think about it. You know, <laughs> <that was> okay. <laughs> There's something here. Yeah. Like, like, uh, like fried chicken and waffles. Uh, right. Exactly. <laughs> microphone and hailstorm. It beer's really, it's actually good. It's really good. It's like a little ghost pepper bite to it. But uh, no, it's always crazy to watch the adjuncts that, that are used. Do you, get, do you guys do coffee? I mean. Do guys, we do do coffee, do you like yeah. Play, do you guys use a specific coffee? Do-do. Do-do. Nice. Nice. <laughs> we almost missed that. Yeah, we team up on our coffee beer, which is called Insomniatic Advantage. We do that in February, and we team up with a roaster out in West Chicago called Modest that he kind of custom selects a bean and custom roasts it to a certain level to bring out what we what we want to get out of it. So that's kind of a collaboration that we sit down together and drink some coffee and drink some beer. And Are you guys coffee guys? Yeah. yeah, you guys both coffee, like yeah. pretty much runs this place. Coffee. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes, love. So, I mean, have you got? Have you found yourself getting deeper into coffee, like throughout the beer, the beer venture here? Or not? Or you not me. Like, you guys like whatever Folgers, I, black coffee, fine. Or I don't go that bad, but no? yeah, you know, it's it's kind of more a functional thing from my standpoint. Okay, I just find I just find myself deeper and deeper into coffee now. Like you know, it's it's another world that's growing. You know, almost. You know, a couple of years behind the beer world, it's it's coming up and they've seen these little shops and specialties. And there's a guy out in Lowell, Indiana called uh, Smuggler's Coffee. He, he brings his coffee and it's amazing. He, he's the barrel age. He'll grab the fresh dump barrels from a brewery and then throw beans in there. I mean, it's, it's really wow. good stuff. So I just wondered, you know, if you guys have been sharing that too. There's so many good roasters yeah. out there now. It's yeah. like... And it, certainly there's, uh, I don't know similarities to what we're doing and what a coffee roaster would be doing just like a the craft and the hands-on nature of it and and the science behind it and all that stuff the small batch stuff so well and there's some places that have that they're almost you know synonymous with one another that's why you mentioned modest like i wondered how that relationship kind of developed uh how did you meet each other like how did you figure that out because you think about microphone you think about tugboat you know you think of i mean tugboat a lot of places too but dark matter and pipeworks and dark matter and three floyds and big hugs for at the half acre they all kind of uh, go together so it's always cool to see that kind of relationship now is modest like always what you use uh, yeah pretty much i mean he's been the dude who runs at marcus has been coming in here since probably like 2014 talking to us about coffee beer and cool. bringing us coffee to to drink yeah. and yeah. And shout kind of out, shout out to him. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, Marcus is uh, not only uh, a good guy, but he's he's a hustler. You know, he came in here and we said, "Nah, we, you know, we're, we don't uh, we're good. we don't do a coffee beer and blah blah blah." And he says, "Like, well, if you do, I'm here. I'm your guy." And every once in a while, he'd check up on us <laughs> and drop off a bag, and and we love the coffee. And, and as marketing uh, guys, you guys are like, "All right, this guy's hustling." Yeah, well, we gotta, I just we think gotta, anybody who's hustling here. should get. Uh-huh. Uh, Gotta give him something. Yeah, right? something back. Yeah, that's yeah. oh, cool. That's cool. Though. It's my. Where, where does he have like a spot too? Does he sell his bags and everything? Does he sell beans and all that? Yeah, I think uh, he mostly sells his beans through like retail. So okay. like independent grocery does a lot, and okay. he's got maybe uh, 
I don't know, like a 25 pound roaster out in West Chicago. And That's cool. Yeah, he's just, he's, uh, he's, he's grinding awesome, it baby. out. Like an awesome. owner operator kind of guy, just Grind, getting it done. Grinded it out. Yeah, <laughs> see what he did there? <laughs> he did it not even knowing that he was. I'm uh-huh. just going to sit back and call out things that Ike says. Yeah, this is pretty good. We could probably do an hour on this, huh? <laughs> just have should. Sean's commentary on Ike's commentary. I like it. I like it. So uh, when you guys were talking about uh, your previous lives, what, what, what were you guys uh, like? What kind of stuff were you doing in the marketing world, and how did you kind of transition that and apply it to what you're doing now? Or is it like dynamite, just blow it up? Not the same thing. It, at least for me, I guess what I was doing is it's not the same thing at all. So I worked for a company that marketed, helped like technology, like biomedical companies market their stuff, right? So that's it for me, especially in, in my role being more of uh, head of production and logistics and all the stuff I do now is it's really it's really night and day from a day to day basis. But I guess from a strategy standpoint, I mean it's it's pretty similar. We've got customers, we've got a product, and we need to get that in front of them. <laughs> so so when you know at that time when you were doing that, would you say like you know I always have a hard time putting this, but you know would you? It was like a solid job, and it was just it was a job that it was a good job, you know. Yeah. And, and like, you know, your family, people from outside, they meet you, and they'd be like, "Hey, what do you do for a living?" And you tell them, they'd be like, "Oh, that sounds like a really good job," you know. And <laughs> then you're like, "Yeah, now I make beer." Like, was that a weird transition? No, because people, yeah, people love to hear people that make beer. Yeah. You know, that's a uh, that's one that everybody's like, "Oh, I love that's awesome. Uh-huh. That must be amazing." Uh-huh. It's like, yes, that's pretty good. Now, what about the transition period while you were doing that and then starting to think about this where people are like, you're fucking nuts. You're going to do what? Uh, no, I think everybody, most people I actually confided in were, were pretty okay. supportive of it, for sure. Keep a good circle then. Yeah, That's right. And keep I, it I tight. Think, yeah. I think also just any type of um, hanging out your own shingle. Everyone's got that little... I don't know f- what you just said. Oh, say like that again? A, to, to start your own... <laughs> business you know wait no say the thing you said though hanging mm. out your own shingle it sounds dirty <laughs> <laughs> anyways i, I gotta uh, say it's the first time that it's been yeah. used on this podcast okay there's hours and hours <laughs> of audio we are the elder statesmen oh, of beer that's true that's right let's keep legit. that going the og going. godfathers here i like it well, I just i think every single human being has a little nugget of i want to be my own boss i want to produce my own stuff i don't want someone's thumb on me Right, my boss is a jerk or whatever, um, and not that in any way we were running away from anything, but I just think people have it in them, and they want to hear your story, and how did you do it? Mm-hmm. Because like I want to at least fantasize about doing it one day, or <laughs> whatever. You know, I want to go home and go in the basement and strap my headphones on and be like, yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. Put on my records. I think it's just a human thing yeah i mean what you just said right there could be like the intro if somebody was like what is your podcast about i would just play that sound for you like that's that's how this whole thing started for me was just wanting to talk to people about those specific stories and it was born you know sitting in a bottle shop talking to the owners colton uh, and eric over at iron and glass in romeoville Mm -hmm. and uh Eric was just going over with me, you know, on like a Friday afternoon at noon when I was, you know, working from home with my laptop. Uh, and he's just going over with me like I used to be like a regional manager at blah, blah, blah. And it's just, you know, and it wasn't like my boss was a cocksucker or anything like that. It was just like it just weighed on him. Just, what, am, what am I doing? You know, like what right. am I 
what am I doing here? Am I really, you know, and then they took a shot and they opened this bottle shop right. and two years later, now they're successful and people love them. They built this community. So that was kind of the, the jumping off point. They were my first episode. And then now exactly what you said has been the premise for every other episode, you know, yeah. and it was like, why, what, what, what made you think you could do it? Why'd you do it? How'd you do it? You know, and, right. and how's it feel now? You know, and I gotta say, everybody seems to be pretty happy at this point, whether yeah. they, you guys were marketing guys. Dan Shudler over at Around the Bend, marketing guy. Uh, I've had three lawyers on here. I've had, uh, you know, a doctor, St. Laurent, Ryan Jacobs. You know, he's a, he's a surgeon. You know, it's, it's crazy to think of some of the jobs people have come and gone to, you know, to do this instead. Yeah. Uh, and I, thir- I think there's a certain <laughs> uh, demographic. Uh, there's there's uh, a lot of, it's usually men, uh, and they're, old enough to be established to have a uh this hobby you know that they're into beer and they have some money to to drink good beers um and so i think if you ask them or if you would have asked me at, at the time is what if you fail um what happens if you know someone is negative you say so the fuck what i mean really it's like I would ha- I would regret not ever trying much more than failing. And you can always go back to your station in life, you know, before that and say, well, you know, I tried. So many, yeah. so many things you could quickly just go to and be like, nope, wouldn't work. That's, you know, there's so many reasons to not. And of course. Always, yeah. always, always. But yeah, it's like almost stupidity and blind optimism sometimes. <laughs> it's like it, you know. Yeah. You, you can look back on it and laugh it out and be like, <laughs> "That was that was so dumb." And then you know now now look where we're at. You know, it worked out. But no, it's a, it's it's a good thing. I think people, like you said, that's the thing is people like that's why the only reason anybody listens to this show is because they like to hear how it happened, and then they go, you know, they it, and it's all of us have that little bit of self, you know self-centeredness where you're like how do i apply that to my life you know you instantly start to put it onto you with the story you're listening to so you know like where do do i relate to that could i do that kind of thing and i think uh, you know personally i think that's the easy part you know stepping over that line and doing it is the easy part hard part is having the wherewithal and the energy and the perseverance to keep it going and to grow it you know because it doesn't just happen you know, big sales or enough sales to stay, to stay in a business. It doesn't just happen. It's, it's everyday work. And it's, um, that's the hard part. You know, that's the part that I think is commendable. And that's why I appreciate, uh, Marcus's hustle. And we, uh, his we grind have, his grind, <laughs> right. His grind. That's I mean, what we that's were appreciating. We have yeah. a, a real love for, you know, people that get up, strap on our boots and just go to it. Belts and suspenders, man. Like, <laughs> you know, you guys, this, you guys, this artwork and, and, and you know the the names and stuff. They have that kind of workmanlike attitude, and I feel like, you know, football teams have an identity. Breweries, you know, you have an identity, and it feels like that's kind of what you guys are about. You know, for sure, the grind and the work, the workmanlike attitude, the workmanlike beers. I mean, yeah, you guys can fancy some things up and play, put some vanilla in it, and you know, do that too, but the base of what you guys are to me from the outside looking in looks like that type of thing. It's a working place. And you guys are in a community that, right? I mean, this community would be more towards that. 
in oh, terms yeah. of that, that workmanlike sure. attitude. For mm-hmm. sure. Yep. I mean, how involved are you guys around here uh, with with just your local community and Lions? And I mean, you guys are what close to Brookfield Zoo, pretty much. And there's a lot out here. Yeah, I think I think we're pretty involved. I mean, Sean lives one town over. I live one town over. So whether it's you know Lions specific, yeah, I'm not sure how you this know general area. Yeah, know, general area. We're we're very involved. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got kids in the schools and we've got friends that are parts of the community. So right. yeah, we definitely try to do our part to, to support some charitable causes when we can and pull you your know, trailer up with your taps on. Yeah. The side. Right. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. So cool. There's, there's a big, uh, beer event that started a few years ago, just right across the street in McCook, uh, called the brew moon. That's coming up, you know, at the end of, uh, October. And, um, it, you know, like we've been a part of that, you know, we're just, this weekend, we were doing pulling the trailer over to Brookfield to be part of their their oh. community event. Um, you know, we we do our part. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. always fun to see the intertwining of, of places like you guys. I mean, because I think you know, a couple years back, you know, you're thinking about villages and townships, whoever, whoever, you know, all this, all the the kind of paper and things you got approved and all that before you can do this stuff. It's like, uh, I've heard great stories. People are, you know, usually complimentary of the city that they're in. And, you know, they were really good with us. But some places just didn't get it at the time. You know, they were just. Oh, well, for sure. Like, what is, wait, you, you're just going to serve beer in a, I mean, what, would you consider this like an industrial area here for where sure. you guys are at? Yes. So It's like, so what, we're going to have a bunch of drunken uh, industrial workers coming to your guys' place, driving around our community. Like, right. and you have and to explain to them, <laughs> like, that's not what this is. Yeah, there's, there's no laws on the books. There's no ordinance. You're writing your own right. everything, basically. Right. It, there's laws for bars, but and there's laws for production and manufacturing, but never the two shall mix. You know? <laughs> never the two shall mix. Yeah. I feel like that's that's another one of the sides of the story that not everybody gets or understands. Uh, now I'm guessing there's been some blazed trails in most areas, so it's pretty standard. They can probably move through the process pretty easily now in 2018, but. 2012 2013 probably wasn't the case for you guys right and i think there's there, there's many more villages and towns that are courting yes breweries that's the other to, point yep. to you know draw them into town for you know commerce and yeah, whatever. putting yeah. the candy out there yeah like, come on come on yep. come to our town yep, yes. we need you you guys, uh, do you guys have uh, optimism for everything i mean i know it's hard to be like nope i think it's shit right now but you know it, it, there's a lot there's a lot of breweries. There's a lot. I mean, there's room for a lot of breweries too. But I mean, what are your guys' thoughts on the on the future? You know, the next couple of years, and then maybe like the next ten to fifteen years. Yeah, I would say the next couple of years is going to be pretty tumultuous in um, in beer. Um, I think we have a good foundation. And we have a, a good customer base, and um, you know, all you can do is stay your own course you know you gotta read the market but you know stay the course of your strategy and um and then work hard to make make sure you're out there and getting it done and uh but i think yeah in the next couple years there's going to be some shakeout there's going to be um some people that started for the wrong reasons um that saw booming industry and don't have the heart and the passion to stick with it um and certainly that's not us um, but that's all I can really forecast. Yeah. You know, yeah, I think it's going to get weirder. The retailer brewer line. I mean, 
Yeah, sure. Hey, we can talk about. It. You don't even have to mime it to us. What are you saying? You want us? You want to get beer? Yes. <laughs> let's, okay. Let's beer. do it. Let's drink one. Beers. <laughs> I'll take anything. Yeah, it's fine. But yeah, I think that line's going to continue to get a little bit blurry. And you know, from our standpoint, we're a production brewery. We do a lot of cans and to. You know, big retail, like I said, like Mariano's and chain stores, but, you know, our our independent taverns are a big part of our business. And I don't know if you saw the, the stuff on Facebook recently with the law changes we had with um, breweries being able to carry cider. I mean, a lot of retailers were pissed. It's like, we, we've helped build your brand. We've, you know, we've given you an outlet to sell beer. We've indirectly, maybe in the case of a distributed brewery like, uh, like us, we've indirectly given you money. Now you're going to compete with me. I, I just think it's going to get, it's going to get, I think more tense. So what, now explain that to me a little more. I, I know, uh, I know, I saw some of the laws that went through and and they made changes. See, and my thought was, okay, this is just allowing breweries like you guys um, th- that are not like brew pubs and that, or maybe it's because brew pubs can already do that, right? They right, can, uh, right. But, but when you say selling it, you just mean having it on tap or having cans or bottles of it available to somebody who comes in and says, I don't really like beer. My husband or my girlfriend or whoever is here, so they, yeah, you know. exactly. And that's that's why we do it personally i mean not everybody can drink beer from a health standpoint or wants to drink beer just from a taste standpoint but i think a lot of the retailers see it as okay it's no longer a tasting room for you to feature your own products now you're trying to get people to stay longer and spend more money and you know stick around so who's who's ups- who would be more upset you're saying like the retail like your grocery stores and i think like more that? like independent taverns okay th- uh, that's where i was getting confused i thought you were saying you know Retail. I, I took it the wrong way. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah that makes total sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your total. Yeah, your your local bar now that has you and five to ten other people on tap, and then ciders and all that stuff too. Right. Now. Yeah. Now you're you're keeping more asses in the seats longer, uh, which I mean, isn't that the key? I mean, isn't that the key for a place like you guys and most tap rooms that That's are not brew pubs? Wants. It's like you you keep people engaged and in the seats and drinking out of your taps. Uh, yeah, distro and all that stuff's great. I mean, you're gonna have to get your product out there. You want to spread spread the word, spread the love. People love to be able to go to their a store and buy your beer. But at the same time, there's margins and things that you're dealing with. And when it comes from those tanks back there, out of these taps up here, it's a lot easier to to deal with than for sure and financially beneficial. I mean, I know people get grossed out when they have to hear the business side of beer because it's such a cool industry. But I mean, it's what it is. It's still a business, so absolutely. Yes, I think it's just it might get a little bit more heated. I would think between maybe bars and brew pubs, or bars and tap rooms, people that are distributing product as well as marketing other other products over their own over their own bar. And then the growler thing continues to be a weird, weird thing. I mean, growlers are weird though. Growlers are weird for beer people too. Like I haven't filled up a growler in a long time. I mean, just because. Thank you. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. The, I have a real hard time with representation of product uh, for for all breweries, um, all of them, whether they're my favorite brewery or just one that I go to or I've never been to. I don't like to go into places, um, and I think that's why I like these bottle shops now, a lot of these craft bottle shops where you drink on premise and take home your beer or whatever, just because you can kind of go in there and, Know that there's some people have probably turned the cans over and checked dates and made sure they're giving you a good representation of the product. 
because I don't want to go in there and try something for the first time. And, you know, a lot of people are going to walk in there and just buy a beer that maybe somebody told them about that maybe was from the can run of cans and IPA from six months ago or something that got lost in the shuffle. And then they drink that and they're like, this is now forever my opinion of buckle down brewing because right. I got the right. uh, a 12-month-old belts and suspenders and it's fallen off a little bit, you know, and that's not fair to me. So I I love the fact that, you know, people are taking more care and more attention. And now for you guys, do you have like a brand rep that can go and help you guys with that stuff? I mean, is, at certain sizes, you can't, you're not, you don't have that luxury, right? To go sniff around every Mariano's in the area to make sure your products are being rotated properly. And yeah, I mean, we, we do our best to, um, well, if you if you have the right relationship with your retailers, uh, the proper relationship with your retailers, you're you're there talking with them. Also, because you want to make some sales, but um, but there's no way uh, with just a few people here we could get to all of them all the time. So yeah, yeah, there's a there's a balance there, um, but we we do have our eyes on on rebuys and the numbers that we get with our distributors. So we know when they're not rebuying or, you know, there's, there's, uh, some concern to go out and see them and say, Hey, check, check the day code and check, you know, and, and take care of it, you know? Cause yeah, absolutely. Like if, if not for our customers, our consumers, that's why do it. <laughs> I think I mean, also that's a blessing and a curse of our size is, you know, we're pretty constantly in catch-up mode on a lot of our beers, so even belt and suspenders. So I guess the upshot of that is we have a lot of really fresh beer on the market. Yeah. We don't see a lot of real old old codes generally. But obviously, like you said, things things slip through the cracks. Mm-hmm. And it's not always, you know, it's, it's, there's so many factors that go into it to me is that, you know, it's the skill set of the retail. The, you know, you're selling your beer off to the retailer. Like, what's the skill set of that person that's selling your beer? Like, you know, we're... we're what level? Right. You don't get to control all these things. Or, I mean, it's a crazy game to play. But or the retailer that's stocking it. You know, are they rotating the freshest stuff? Is yeah. it first in? You know, first out. You're right. That's you know. It's, you wonder like how much care. Like, is that is are they? And even I, I would imagine it varies from. Let's say, let's just say. I mean, we keep bringing Marianos up. Let's say for sake Marianos, five six different stores. Whatever. However many Marianos you guys are in. One of them may have like a really talented, skilled person in charge of the craft beer, and one may, they may I'm more of a wine person, but out of need, I'm also the beer person because sure. we can't afford to have a beer and a wine, per, right. you know, something like that. And all, both those cases, crazy happen. factor. Like, is this stuff that you guys are constantly thinking well, about, sure. or is, am I yeah. just being uh, no, yeah, dumb yeah, right now? Okay, absolutely. Well, I mean, it, it's shocking how much of a difference that person makes, though. You know, we've had stores where we've got a really big fan, great beer guy leaves. And the store absolutely just goes to hell in a handbasket, like immediately. It's crazy how much one person. Yeah. In a, in a big, you know, Mariana's has got thirty or forty stores. They're owned by Kroger. They're a huge company, mm-hmm. and it all comes down Wonderful to that company. one guy. In a lot of cases, it's, it's it's crazy to me. Yeah. I mean, well, you zoom in on your guys' tap room here. I'm. To me, I mean, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I feel like Vicky is like beer famous, right? I mean, Vicky, <laughs> yeah, like so. everybody knows her, I right? Think so yeah. Okay, I'm not yeah. just imagining this because anytime I see her out at anything or like in your tap room, like everybody seems to know who she is. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So like, just think about that. The help here. I mean, I'm guessing that's got to benefit your brand to have a person like that all the time. For sure. For sure. I mean, I think um, what's great about 
what I love about our business is just all our employees are walking, talking advocates <laughs> for for the business, and they're 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 people we want to be around, and therefore other people want to be around them too. So, first and foremost, you know your your people are everything, and uh, so when they're out talking to people, they're like they have something to say and yeah they're engaging there's that weird line that you can walk of being like you know and, and again you guys were in the marketing world one form or another so you guys know this this weird line of like genuine you know marketing or like genuine love for something and like i want you to have it because i have confidence that it's great and then there's that weird like I'm over pushing this thing because I have a job to do right now and selling yes. it. And not everybody can walk it, you know? Sometimes you get people, they walk through the door and you're like, I can feel my skin crawl a little bit, you know, that kind yes. of feeling versus, yes. you mm-hmm. know, versus like this person just fucking really endorsed. They really love this product and, you know, maybe there's something to it. You know? <laughs> right. Do you guys get that feeling? I mean, oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think you just have to put yourself in, you know, just flip the table and put yourself as just a beer buyer you know i'm walking into a store i'm walking into a tap room and how do i want to feel how do i want to be you know marketed to because there's a lot of cases that you do want to be marketed to tell me you know tell me what's going well for you guys tell me what you're you really have heart for these days you know tell me what you want me to experience um and not a lot of people will ask for that, but they, but they do need it. Um, but yeah, it, of course, it's a fine line. It's a very hazy line where it's like, oh, oh hazy. Okay. Well, bro. <laughs> no, you're doing it. It's hazy, catching up. <laughs> but it really is, you know. And you, I think over time you develop a a sense for that about where you're pushing it too far. No. Uh, Staying on that on that vein of, of uh, marketing and, and, and people, uh, how do you guys attack what is marketing now in social media? Like how, mm-hmm. what's the game plan here for Buckle Down, and how has it evolved? I think one thing is um, we have a really really great relationship with uh, a guy who self starter again is a as a videographer and a photographer, fantastic talent. Uh, his name is Matt Adama. Um, was that the dude that made the video that I was talking about before we started rolling? Uh, I believe so. He does all of our video. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was talking to Ike about it, I think, yeah. maybe before you came out here. So I was telling Ike before we started that the first experience I had with you guys online was was uh, there was a video either on your website or on Facebook or something. And it was just like sacks of grain and forklifts moving. And just like it, get, it was kind of the tap room and you, you're seeing all this like, tinning and, and this wood and this like you know a very workmanlike attitude that it gave just a really well shot video well edited video and i mean you know that was that drew me in right away yeah well i mean and that's that's what you're seeing in all social media and it, it's, it's a better representation of who we are and uh what the kind of things we want to promote and uh and uh matt always captures it you know, we'll tell him he does a great job he, and with his video content. And he just, he just. Said, you don't tell him he does a great job, right? You gotta, I'm you telling know, him right now. Don't tell him, yeah. <laughs> I'm telling. Don't tell him he does a great bajillions job. Bajillions of people right now. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell people that Joe has bajillions of people listening <laughs> to the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Not a couple thousand. Um, 
but yeah, so that that captures like sort of a, an essence, a feel, uh, um, what what we are and what we care about, and yeah, I, th- I think that's the the primary thing of what we're doing on social media. We try to try to do a little bit more. Do you guys keep a rhythm, day. like a you know, when we have a new beer release, we do this, or like, do you guys kind of just wing it? Like, what feels right? What feels like shareable? What feels like some people need to know? For a long time, we just wung it. Yeah, I don't know. Well, is that I the love, past of winging it? <laughs> I don't <laughs> even think it is. Wung but, it. But I say it all the time. <laughs> but we're trying wung to get to it. a place where it's a little bit more structured. And that that, that uh, is difficult when everyone's wearing a lot of hats. But um, it definitely works better. You know, we we send out an email to our group. And we, we do posts on Twitter and Instagram and facebook because every you know generation uses this different God. different thing um i think but twitter's yeah, like dying i think that's what the kids are telling me now what's that? twitter's dying that's twitter's what i keep dying. hearing everybody's yeah. saying it's dying i don't know well i used to read articles and shit right and like, but uh, they're know. not all kids that's the that's thing true <laughs> you know i have true. people that come old in people and like, like beer hey. too right. i consider myself an old guy now i got 34 i got kids i do stuff adult stuff but you know i don't yeah, people are like twitter's dead barrel Instagram, yeah. Facebook, that's it. Yeah. That's all you need. If they use bro, yeah. then they're, they're in a certain seg- segment that. of the, caught that. <laughs> the market. What happened to Snapchat? Is that Dude, still? I don't know. I don't know. Thing? I don't even understand. That's a thing. I, I'll, I'll watch stuff. Like my sister-in-law, they got little twins and they're cute as can be. So, you know, I'll watch stuff on there, but I don't understand the premise of like, what, what do I have to contribute to Snapchat? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think they disappear after a while. It's not something I'm, I'm understanding at this point. I think for me, the original Snapchat use is still all that I understand and I, I know it's different now it's not just about dick maybe. pics maybe yeah, well dick pics baby <laughs> uh, that's a whole nother we could do an hour on those too if you want <laughs> the senator's <laughs> preferred <laughs> medium yes <laughs> Miss, oh are you referring to Mr. Wiener <laughs> <laughs> of course his name is, that's, uh, there's uh, others I'm, I'm sure start I'm that. sure there's hilarious others. Brett Favre, Brett Favre's yeah. uh, use Favre. of it remember Favre Brett, did that Brett Favre yeah remember he did that yeah yeah that's well, football season. Do you guys do football? Are you guys sports guys? Yeah, I like Stay sports. <laughs> I like sports, but uh, I'm not like a, a generically like guy. sports. Yeah, just the Bears for me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to the game tonight, actually, which I never do. But my brother just got free tickets, so we're going tonight. Go. Good stuff. So why not? Why not? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, is there is there any more I want to I want to ask you guys? I had a couple of things that were floating in my brain, and I, I lost them. Um, I was going to ask you the percentage on your cactus pants, but now that I have a cactus pants in my hand, four and a half percent says it right on the label. Right there. Mm-hmm. This is going to make a hell of a By hot law. beer. It's going to make a hell of a hot beer. It's good. Yeah. It's We've good. got some Valentina in back and some, uh, what's that? God bless that you guys. Tahin? Tahin. Tahin, yeah. yeah. Love yeah. that. Dude, uh, d- you, d- you brewers, man, you, you put this on me. I'm like, it's, <laughs> I think uh, Brandon, uh, Brandon at, at uh, Workforce and Brandon at uh, Hailstorm contribute this all to Chris Betts at Transient. They say that this is his, his thing, and they brought it, you know, they got it to them, and then Alex Lovingood at Brickstones, yeah, you know, and Eric Pizer over at Rock Bottom, and they're all, they, they have this great circle of friends that's like really tight community. Um, oh, that's the Chug Group, right? <laughs> well, that's part of it. I mean, they're, they're definitely, I, I just found out Justin Miller over at Hop Butcher, he's in, he's in some crazy Chug groups too. There's, there's a lot of, a lot of weird stuff, a lot of oh. weird ancillary beer stuff. Is that going different on. from uh, PK and the guy at Metro? Yeah, this is different. This is a like private 
Facebook group. Yeah. Oh, okay. Text keep group it, that's just, tight. just chug tight. videos. Of so October 1st, I'll be going to, I'll be taking this little show on the road to Hailstorm where they're doing like a mega collaboration with like seven or eight of them. And so it's going to be Will, will there be fried chicken? We'll see. They're brewing something, but I don't <laughs> think it's, I don't think it's that crazy. I think it's just a kind of a, a stout or something that they're doing. But I think there's a lot of breweries involved. Like, six to seven of them so it's yeah. like basically the initial thought was they wanted to recreate their text message group you know in audio form basically <laughs> but then they were like hey we're doing a collab let's do that instead you know so all of them are going to be at hailstorm so stay tuned for that it should be interesting how do you capture chugging well on a podcast Is i'm it not going like to capture chugging on the throat and just no but they, 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 i wonder like are you, they're, they're <laughs> like a comedian just hold the hold the microphone right <laughs> to your throat <laughs> But, you know, the, there's these little, like, pockets. You know, uh, I, I've heard a lot of this, too, over the 50-plus episodes I've done. Is kind of like, you know, if you were older than two, three years old, you'd be, you, I would hear things from that, that brewer or, or owner or founder. Like, uh, if, if you were in the brewing industry, you knew everyone in the brewing industry. And now it's like these little regional segments where you know everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, so I'm guessing you guys in, uh, like, Grant and Brent over at, Imperial Oak, right? Grant yep. and yeah. Um, I mean, who else is close to you guys? That that I mean, you guys have relationships like that in in yeah. within the world, or yeah, the guys like at uh, at Blue Nose are close. Uh huh. The, Bri- um, the Brickstone guys are. We we love the Brickstone, yeah, gentlemen. You should listen yeah. to their episode and listen to Matt Offerman just avoid everything, <laughs> every question um, I ask. I love that guy. He yeah, is so he, he was priceless. He's a legit hero too. You know, he broke up a robbery and everything. Yeah, he, he's an amazing guy. I mean, super nice. Like as soon as we stopped recording, like he was like, "Sorry, I didn't give you much." <laughs> he was, we had fun, you know. But he, every time I'd ask him something, he would give me like the vaguest answer in the world. And it's like that good delivery too that he does, kind of like I mean, be like in the Milky Way galaxy. Like that was his response <laughs> to like, where did you grow up? <laughs> I knew where he grew up, but I wanted to ask him and hear him, you know, on the podcast and studies, the Milky Way galaxy, yeah. and that was it, just stone. Yeah, I think uh, he spent half the podcast with his shirt off too, which was. You know, we it, talked about the gets how hot, hot it gets. It gets hot. <laughs> we're in the production facility out in Bourbon A, you know. Yeah. You got that sleek, sexy redhead Alex sitting next to you. You got oh, yeah. to take the shirt off. Yeah. What can you say? All right, I've dribbled you guys into nonsense. Is there anything else uh, that you guys like to touch on and buckle down? I mean, you guys got stuff coming up and stuff that you do regularly that you'd like to know. I mean, I don't want to pretend like I have a, an audience of millions, but I mean, you're definitely going to have some people listening to this that may not be familiar with you guys, um, even though you're OG. Right, right. We, I mean, we just launched <laughs> Oktoberfest. We've got a new seasonal coming up in November. We could t- you want to you talk, talk to uh, everybody about Xavier McDaniel about that? Yeah, we can oh, do that situation. Yeah, totally. What's up? <laughs> Let's hear about it. I forgot about that beer. Um, you, you, like, maybe you start with uh the hop right 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 idea and then i'll uh so really it's it's a wheat ipa it's it's uh one that you've been making for a little bit yep yep right. we've making for a couple years now yeah, yeah at least this will be our third year oh hold on who's this fence guy anyway, he's sorry like taking all these fences Good. he's got okay. a doberman and sitting shotgun Sintas. That's not Cintas. It's, it's an old Cintas. That's a duck and cover. He sandblasted that, that, yeah. <laughs> that right off the side of it. See, this is why you need some video. Yeah, right? <laughs> I could add it. All right. 
so yeah, we started making this beer a couple years ago. Um, Is there a story behind the Xavier? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it used a hop that was called X331. It was an experimental hop. Those hops always get an X yep. nomenclature assigned to it before they are popular enough to give it a name. That, that hop's now called Strata. Oh, it's used okay. by a lot of guys in like uh, juicy beers. It's really good. It's like a hot butcher. I think puts it in blazed orange milkshake. Yeah, and then that's it's, that, that beer's hot. It always tasted me like uh, you know grapefruit flesh, like not a rind, but like it's 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 really good, really good hop. So we started it just talking about so this zombie beer. right there. <laughs> just flesh. grapefruit flesh. Sorry, no, no, no worries, no worries. Flesh. So. <laughs> That's good. So we call it the uh, the X X Man just uh, internally. I'm like, oh, what's what's up with that uh, that X Man beer? And it's like, oh, you mean Xavier McDaniel beer? And then yeah. then it, we just uh, it's draft only the first year, so nobody nobody knows nobody anything, about you know. It. But then we put it in cans with the likeness of a basketball player <laughs> that was not, not not to be named, not intended to be. Oh. Absolutely, it intended. might have absolutely, absolutely been absolutely. Him. I think it was his his. Uh, what we, do you call uh, it? Silhouette. Oh yes, silhouette, silhouette. Oh. So yeah, and then maybe I'll let Sean talk about it from yeah. there. So, um, yeah, I think we just intended it for it to be draft only, and pretty much local. And I don't know. We talked about whether or not we should put it out. Um, Due to legal issues, um, and then we said, "Oh, f it," mm-hmm. um, and we're expecting a uh, letter from his lawyer or something—a cease and desist, hang it up in our tap room, and just make fun of it. This would be awesome, yeah. yeah, and just be like, "This is done." Um, but it was just so successful, and people really liked it, and we just decided to can it, and. Um, a couple, a couple thousand cases, so it was like a, a decent run. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we did have a, a powwow about whether or not it was going to be some sort of watered-down thing and, and some allusion to X-Men or something. And I, I just, uh, we just said that, like, why, why would we do it halfway? You know, it's just... There's we'll buckle you know, down, goddamn it! Like, you know, we don't do it halfway. Yeah, but just not even that. It's just, it's just like uh, people wouldn't get it, and you'd have to explain it, and yeah. that's that's stupid. If if a beer takes explanation, it's really really stupid. So, well, we didn't that's know since point. we're old is that nobody knows who Xavier McDaniel is. <laughs> right? Who's this I Javier McDaniel? Um, but so if we were going to go all the way, then we we put the silhouette and we named it Xavier McDaniel, and we just did the whole thing, and. Um, sure as shit i got a call from his uh agent who is also the agent of uh michael jordan among others oh my god that's great and uh he is a treat man he's uh he was actually really cool about it but he's a hard ass you know yeah you you don't get to that position without being a hard ass and he's like you can't fucking do this <laughs> I was Maybe like the I was Ari Gold in, treatment, the entourage. Oh, uh, totally! I was uh, taking the call in uh, at lunch in in our customers' Irish Times, and uh, I walked into the other room, and he's like, "Who the fuck do you think you know?" And I was like, "Oh, sorry, sir. It was like an homage to to X Men. Some love, man. Yeah, right. Big fans." And here. he's like, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna continue this conversation." And um, 
so uh, there was an introduction of some lawyers, and uh, we are now um, not final on on the deal, um, but final enough to run it for another season. So okay. under under the same name and same packaging and everything. And, and we are going to make sure that uh, Mr. McDaniel gets taken care of. He's compensated. Yes. Free case of beer. <laughs> <laughs> really right. good deal by I you guys. I can't talk about that. Real good I deal by I you I can't guys. talk about the uh, terms. Can't blink, confirm or deny. Blink twice. If, uh, <laughs> so so what, wait, that, it, now you're talking about that's what you're working on that you said you were doing. I no, thought that's, you were talking about a different in, beer. That's coming out in November. Okay. I yeah. thought it was a fun story. Oh, that's that, a great uh, we story. We got in trouble for using someone's name and likeness. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the cease and desist is no stranger to this industry, man. Yeah, that's, that's true. Everybody's got that's one, one like it's, little. Whether it's it be little, the wine people, your guys is pretty good though. That's that's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, You're talking about still an working there. on trying to get him up here for a promo. Come on, man. He's got to have time to do it, right? right? Let's do it. I know. I know. That'd be great. Just see the people's faces. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hello, sir. Sorry, don't, Mr. don't don't choke me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he probably thinks it's cool, though. Honestly, like you I know. don't even know. So I mean, it makes thing. sense I that your manager would or your agent would be like, "Hey, he's looking at it from a business, you know, side of things." I would think, and yeah. but for the X Man, he's probably like, "That's cool." Like, well, that's, that's the cool. thing. I don't even know. I don't even know if he drinks beer, you know. And I, I'm, I was trying to get it out of his his um, agent, and uh, and he wouldn't give me anything. Oh, but yeah. he's like, "Yeah, that's between me and Xavier." <laughs> I'm like, "Okay." Uh-huh. <laughs> we wouldn't drink your shitty beer even if we liked yeah. it. <laughs> no, and uh, he's got to yeah. be the hard ass. He's got to be the hard ass on that one. But we also have a couple other releases that uh, previously mentioned: uh, Imperial Oak Double Barrel um, beer, which is going to be delicious. How's that going to play out? Is that uh, it's a, you know collabs are always goofy to me so like is it packaging here packaging there is it yep. both we, of you guys gonna have it or we brewed all the beer here and then um they're getting some barrels so they're gonna package it's a bourbon rum that what? was their that was their barrel sequence so everything everything started oh, in sorry oh, right, right. way back everything started in bourbon they put theirs in rum for the second aging we went they do do things like that they're <laughs> <doo-doo>. <laughs> they're cool do do yeah, that was the idea. It's called Barrel Roll, and the idea was just to both have a different interpretation of it. So kind of two different beers that are the same beer. So how are you guys playing that? So we're doing double bourbon. So we went from Buffalo Trace, just to turn around. Double bourbon. We went from Buffalo Trace in the first round to a local distillery called Quincy Street, which is the next town over, into their yep. barrels for the second one. So our idea is... I know, I know Quincy Street. That's awesome. Oh, it's delicious. Double whiskey, but with a, a local flavor. And theirs has got kind of that Caribbean, Jamaican feel going on. Oh, right. that's cool. And that releases October 13th. And we have a party October bus 13th. traveling traveling between the breweries to give tastes of different stuff. We're going to have some adjuncts. We're going to have some fun stuff. Wait, Food that's trucks, a, that's a great idea. Wait, will you explain that more? You're doing... So, yeah, we have a like a party bus... Do you have that itinerary in your head right uh, now, or no? I don't. We're going to put out some stuff on both of our social medias, but okay. um, rest assured there will be transportation between both the breweries on regular intervals. That is so cool. Yeah. How, how, uh, how far are you guys? About 10 minutes? Yeah, uh, 10, 15 minutes. Okay. Yeah. I think it starts there at 11 a.m., and the first bus makes its first trip at noon, and then I think it's like every 
Hour. Hour-ish, yeah. That is really cool. So just go back and forth. We're going to do, we don't have the itinerary yet, but it's going to be, you know, sequential tappings of different variants and all sorts of stuff. So hopefully people go back and forth a few times. Yep. Damn. I'm like really yeah. jealous that you guys. Yeah. Just, that's, that's a fun that's event. A great we should idea. come to it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking. Of, I'm trying to think of days right now. October 13th. You said right? Okay. Flesh. Don't have it. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, Can't help Jesus. It. So that's a big one. We got released the haze to October 6th, right? Yes. So that's six, our hazy six IPA. Six pack, twelve ounce cans. Yep. yep. Six, ounce, six pack, six pack, twelve ounce cans. Yes. Okay. Um and. Hop combo on that? That's know. Citra and Simcoe again this year. Okay. That's that's the uh, the heritage of that beer. So Citra and Simcoe on that. Is that is that also what you said Clencher is too? Yeah, Clencher's okay. got that, that combo mm-hmm. as well. It's a, it's a good combo. So technically, but how different are those beers when you're talking about the process? They're, sig- they're significantly different. Um, like, yeah, the different grain, different... Right. I think the... Loading up oats and... Or whatever. Yeah, we got... Yeah, the haze has got a bunch of oats. It's got a different yeast strain in it that that throws a little more haze to it. Um, To me, I think the biggest difference is, though... Am I too close? No, no. Okay. Is the the dry hopping protocol. So, release the haze as a double dry hop. So, Mm -hmm. it it gets on day four. It gets a blast of dry hops. Then we dry hop it again on day seven. And, you know, you wouldn't think while a beer is fermenting and rolling and pushing a bunch of CO2 out that that first dry hop would do anything. But it does a huge, huge amount. Mm -hmm. It's a big, big difference. I mean, it really, it pushes the aromatics like off the charts. Where's that at in the the, uh, fermentation process? Is that like the high Kreuzen time or whatever that you hear about? Or is that Uh, Day four is, for us at least, is probably a little bit after the high Kreuzen. Okay. Yeah. So the yeast is very, very active. It's a fascinating still. style to me because you know I've heard so many different opinions on how to te- approach it technically and what causes this to make this or this to be hazy or you know I've seen beer I've tasted beer out of people's tanks that they were canning days later. He poured it out of the tank and then I drank it and looked at it and I was like, wow, it looks like this. And then I get a can of it home and it's everything dropped out. Like it's it's, like, it's not like the flavors bad or anything it just looks just, totally different it's just like that's not the beer that i had right. three four days ago before For sure. you canned it like it's it's a crazy thing to me so i've heard so many varying opinions on what causes that and how how the dropout comes and how to approach that technically to keep it in a certain way i mean have you had one that you're like okay this is what i want to shoot for no like something that's really. inspired you to be like this is the look i like i like that visual on that i like that aroma on that i like that that mouthfeel on that like yeah I wish I had a great answer for you, but but no. I mean, some of the dry hop stuff I've really enjoyed. I mean, we're it's a little bit of a you know we definitely leaned on Brandt as 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 this collaboration progressed, and sometimes you know with the collabs it goes a little bit differently. Sometimes it's more about yeah. them or more about us. Uh, but he really plugged us in with a bunch of a bunch of what he would like to see with it. I thought it was great last year. It was really you know as approaching orange juice of any beer that we've ever done. I mean. I think I think Iron and Glass had it on tap last year. Okay. And I think I had it on tap, and it was wonderful. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, we switched so up a little bit the I think I was, strain we used this time. I think time. I looked up at the menu and was like, wait, what is that? Yeah. That's from Buckle Down? Wait, <laughs> yeah, it was very... Like, wait a minute. Oh. So we, we I think that, that was with our house strain, house ale strain, which drops pretty clear. So I think that beer was, in my mind as a brewer, what I would think a hazy beer should look like. So it's a, a light haze. Okay. It's not like... So you can still almost see through it, but not, yeah. you know, not like sunny it's delight. It's like a chill haze. Like it's, it's not a real cloud. Right. So I think probably the, 
the naming of these the hazies. Guys. <laughs> these beers aren't hazy though. Like the the hot ones are. And those are like turbid. Those are. There's those some are damn turbid beers out there. It's those aren't hazy. Some That's of them beyond the haze. Yeah, though. some of them I love. I mean, but this, I don't know. This you can do every style hazier. poorly, and you can do every style really right. well. I mean, I, right? That's the hard part. That's the thing. Is it's all everybody's interpretation and subjective, and it's mm. yeah, it's a crazy world. But we brought in the yeast Thanks. from Omega that everybody, all the cool kids are using in the there. The Nordic ones? It's not the Nordic no. one, but it's like that the shit's, British shit's five or whatever, yeah, like okay, the, yeah. the hazy strain. Yeah. We talked about those Nordic ones, and then I had. Hailstorm that, that day, zero day zero they did what in the fuck is how was <laughs> it it was really good it's how they, one day and then you know you have your dry hops and stuff but I think wow. they dry hopped it while they were knocking out into the fermenter it's so crazy like and then again <laughs> that's why like it was brewed on day whatever days obviously day yeah. zero so it was packaged seven days after they brewed it oh my yeah. god like I didn't even I couldn't even look Lance in the eye while he was talking to me I was just like I can't look this guy's some sort of wizard I don't want to look straight in his eyes some <laughs> shit's gonna I probably should have I might have got smarter but that's yeah that, the, that whole yeast thing is it's that's a special game right there man that's what makes beer beer though it's super blessed it's like a su- super blessed as a brewer to have somebody like Omega I mean just right here in your backyard and they're just ever growing and expanding he's talking about open up a tap room himself for experimental stuff crazy yeah white labs has got one of those in uh san diego yeah i bet that's amazing and it's probably where they got the thought process yeah. from you why not go you know they've been doing that for how long but oh, it's super cool to to hear that but yeah it's a, it, yeah, i've heard people describe it as well you just use shitty yeast you know that's how you make those beers and I'm like well is that really it or are you just kind of a salty person you know <laughs> right 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 you know that's not our approach. And I I didn't think so. I didn't, you didn't strike me as that. <laughs> Technically sound beers, right, guys? Technically sound. That's yes. what the goal is. That's what that's what the goal is. So yeah, it's a Monday. I'll let you guys get back to work. But okay. you know, Thank anything you. else you want to add before you? No. Thanks for the opportunity. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's no opportunity. It's all it's all for me. It's all <laughs> for me. I don't even put these on the internet. I just listen to them myself. <laughs> it's definitely it's fun to me. take a break and talk about what we're doing. Well, it's easier to sit and talk about like a long format conversation than that. Yep. Like, have you guys ever had to do like goofy, quick radio spots or yep. like quick, you know, video interviews? A lot of video like interviews. Two, yeah. three, four minutes, and they're trying to like squeeze out. Hey, what is, tell me about right. you know. Tell like, me everything. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's good for you to be able to flesh out an answer and kind of go into some detail. And it's great why for me. Why should people care? Well, it's a bit, you know people, you know the 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 main normal media is not the ruler anymore you know you got that the podcasts are so big in every format whether you know it's not just beer podcast but like any, any sure. kind of where you can actually flesh out a conversation and you know hear the real story from you guys mm-hmm. so i think it's nice i think people will appreciate it um it's not like you guys need any more exposure but i'm sure you'll take it man like you guys sure you guys have been known around the beer world for you know a long time so i uh, appreciate you guys having me and letting me come into your space on a hot hot monday um yeah so thank you right. and cheers thank to you, you guys yeah, cheers. cheers cheers to your cactus pants <laughs> thanks guys that doesn't come on the mic at all no no ding 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 <laughs> and i don't edit much so <laughs>